Welcome to episode 14 of the App Advice Weekly Podcast. I'm Brett Nolan of AppAct.net, and with me as always is Trevor Sheridan of App Advice. In this episode, Trevor and I learn about plants while avoiding nightmares and editing videos of giant fighting robots searching for cheese. How are you doing tonight, Trevor? Doing good and interested in learning about plants and how it somehow ties into cheese and nightmares. <laughs> I know we got a, a nice variety of of subjects for the uh, titles we're talking about tonight. And we'll start things off with Apple News, which actually connects into new apps. And so that app that Apple announced with the new iPad is Clips, and now it's available for everyone to download. And it's kind of as you would expect. It's a really accessible video editing app, which it kind of has some connections to Vine, where you take these short little clips and then all those clips merge together into your one overarching video. So you can merge different pieces together just like you would Vine, but you don't have that six-second limitation. And then Apple also gives you live filters as well as text effects to apply or overlay to your videos as you're recording. Well, the nice thing, too, is you're not limited to just new recordings, too. So you can take stuff you've already previously recorded with your with your phone and import in those video clips, and you don't have to use this app to be the main source of the clips coming in. Yeah. And then with that, it really kind of sets it up to allow for creativity. Yeah, I mean, the one thing that that I don't really like right off the bat is you're kind of stuck with that square photo setup, which is like the popular when you're going to share out to social networks. They all like those square versions. The one really neat feature, which I fully expect to get copied by all these other video apps, is one of the things you can do is you can take even an existing clip that you have, and when you hold down the record button, you can start talking. And as you're talking, the words, it re- it starts putting words up for what you're saying. So you can actually kind of subtitle any clip that you happen to have just by holding down this button and then just talking away. And you can either give it like a little commentary track or maybe it's to add like a visual effect of this text coming up and scrolling across. But it's just a neat little addition that we haven't seen. I don't I can't think of a single app that kind of let you do this before. So they're kind of breaking new ground here but it's bound to get copied. And it works relatively well. It must use the same engine they use to transcribe when you're doing voice to text. And so now they're just overlaying it on your videos. And then, like you said, it works on old videos, which is really neat to do. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's not going to replace if you're someone who's like a diehard, really wants professional quality videos. This is more for like quick and dirty social type stuff that you'd you'd send out. You're not going to be editing all of your clips together to form like a nice thing that's going to fill your your TV screen with the Apple TV. This is just like quick, fun little videos you can share. You can experiment with those various filters and you can experiment with the different text styles. And it's just a fun little tool that you can now, once you have a video, export it out to any of your various social media platforms super quick and easily. Yeah, the app is made more for the Snapchat crowd than fans of Final Cut Pro, but that doesn't limit 
what you or how many people could potentially start using it and giving it a chance with the different things that are easily selectable. There's more advanced video ad editing apps for iOS, but if you just want to do something really quick and easy, clips can definitely be an option. Yep, yeah, it's nice to have a, another option in your toolbox to to try things out. And clips is free, it's universal. And then we'll continue the new app themes with Namu Wonders of Plant Life. And the app takes kind of the traditional textbook style and presents interactive models. So it's kind of like the Tiny Bop apps, but it takes it a step up by providing text to the different models. So you're looking at plant life, you might look at the root system or the leaf structure. And as you're doing so, you get to see how the plant turns the sunlight into nutrients for it and then exports oxygen and eats up carbon dioxide or carbon dioxide and you get to see how the whole process works through these little simulations but then there's text describing what's going on it seems like that's what we've always kind of wanted when we talked about tiny bop apps to just kind of explain and offer a little more background to what's going on on screen and that's what namu does yeah, it's like that next step, and it's it's aimed at 9 to 11-year-olds, and I had my 10-year-old try it out, and that was the one thing she noticed. She really loved the interactivity of it and just the, the, the way that everything was displayed on the screen, but to have that extra level of information was nice because now you can dig a little deeper, or if you want explanations of things, you don't have to go to like an external source. You could to get even more information than this app provides, but it does do a really nice job of having an option there to get detailed text that's in still in digestible size and chunks that a, a kid can consume but it's that next level of information that kids will be craving and they don't have to go elsewhere for it yeah it's not like an overbearing textbook it's a quick consumption text form that makes just what's on screen make sense rather than seeing it by itself and the only app that I could think that was like it was Earth Primer, which does a very similar st style with interactive models, but it's for the Earth and the way all the different natural planet phenomena exist. I don't know if I ever tried that one out, but this one, I mean, this, my daughter really liked the um, segment on trees and you actually start to grow the tree and you see rings for the trees. They had other ones on roots. They had them on leaves. They had uh, various plant cells and it's just a nice breadth of information that you can kind of go, go across all these different topics and dive into them and it's just a fun way for kids to to explore and i hope that i don't think they have anything else where they i think they did an electricity app as well and i haven't checked that one out yet but i i hope they're doing more of these in other topics as well because they're really nice little quick intro to these these subjects that can really spark the interest of kids yep and that's namu wonders of plant life it's 3.99 and it's universal and then that means it's time for some new games and we've had weeks where it's tough to choose you know to cut down the list to four this week is not one of those weeks but <laughs> <laughs> we'll start off with transformers forge to fight which it comes from kabam they made 
the Marvel battle game where you have two Marvel characters going head-to-head. This is the same exact game, except it's two Transformers going <laughs> head-to-head. And all these games are based on Injustice, Gods Among Us, with DC characters going head-to-head. So we we got the style, we got the setup, and so now let's just apply as many different big brand names as we possibly can. And so that's how you get Transformers Forge to fight. Yeah, yeah. well, I don't remember. This one has like this three, like a 360-degree battle arena which i don't think you had in the other game so you it's i mean it sounds better than it really is but you can you can kind of like avoid attacks by going up or down and get out of the way so now you're no longer in this direct horizontal path with the character that you're fighting so it, in essence this is basically a button masher there are some swiping portion so you're not just tapping buttons or tapping the screen there are swipe gestures that are used for it but in the end it just becomes a mash of just tapping and swiping and in fact one a few of my matches i think i had uh not it wasn't optimus prime as one of the other characters whatever the second character you get is and all I had to do was just tap the screen and use his ranged attack, and the other guy never got a single move off. Every time he tried to move, I would just shoot him, shoot him, shoot him, and I won the battle without even moving just by tapping one spot on the screen. So it's a little unbalanced at times, but I guess if you like Transformers a lot, which I don't know, I liked him as a kid, but the new movies really don't, I don't really care about them, but I don't know. It just seems like a lot of the same that we've already seen before. And like you said, it's just another franchise tossed on the same model that's uninspired. Yeah, the base model isn't like a great game. It's not like you're building off Monument Valley or something. It's a really substandard kind of bland experience where you tap or swipe repeatedly to try to get in attacks and then basic defenses. And then they apply this single-player campaign that has this map. And the map was probably the weirdest thing because there's all these, like, level points. And your guy just runs across, like, five of them until he gets to, like, the actual battle. I didn't know what the point was of having the other spots to run across in between. Yeah, I was wondering the exact same thing. Like, I don't understand. What he Wait, he's missing something. Wait, he's going over that spot. And then, like, yeah, it makes no exact sense. It makes no sense whatsoever why you're kind of running over things unless that comes back and you do it again later i don't understand it either it, it like literally you see like a dotted line and he's going over dots they never does uh, yeah it doesn't make sense the one thing that i found obnoxious is uh the fact that you need a wi-fi or cellular connection even to play the game because you know the only reason it's even there. Yes, it's there for if you want to do multiplayer, but it's there to drive the the free to play stuff. It needs it's probably in there to check for certain things, to make sure that you you have your certain values of. I don't even remember what the energy stuff in this was, but it's it seems wholly unnecessary to even have that in this sort of game because they could have ai fighting for these characters there's no reason why you should need to have an internet connection to play this game and yet it's there yeah it's just so they can certify that you're not trying to crack their iap systems that's why all these yes. games have to do it and this game, since it is free to play, there's actually three different currencies. You have the mission energy, which that's always disappointing to see. And then you have these gold resources. 
and then you have the cubes to do like the big bad upgrade so the gold does like the basic upgrade and i guess the cube helps unlock characters and special abilities quicker yeah crazy i don't even remember i i i don't think i played <laughs> enough to even really care a ratchet was the other dude i had that i could yeah. just shoot and sh- and so, I mean, if you're a big Transformers fan, it's kind of like the movies where you actually might end up more disappointed than you even <laughs> expected, but <laughs> it's out there. Transformers Forged to Fight, and it's free, and it's universal. And then there's Mousebot. This game comes from Vector Unit. They made the Riptide series, as well as Beach Buggy Racing. And so that pedigree kind of gives you high hopes for their new game. And Mousebot, it delivers a similar kind of idea but rather than racing you're actually driving and it's a mission-based system where you control this little mouse car and you try to drive through these mazes collecting cheese and avoiding obstacles and each set of levels introduces a new obstacle mechanic to contend with but for me no matter what obstacle they threw my way this game was one of the easiest games i think i've ever played (laughs) yeah so there's a, I, I know exactly what the problem is. And, yeah, he's actually not a car. He's actually a little robotic mouse. Uh, yeah, but, like a mouse uh, robot car. He has wheels. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he rolls. Yes, he rolls. So he's going through a maze. It's like basically the, the – uh, he's going through this maze, and there's the evil cats that are each time this main cat boss – he hires a new guy to design the traps for the maze, and it's a new cat. And he, at the end of each grouping of levels, he fires that cat and then hires a new cat who has a, a much better idea for a new trap type. And it's it's a really cute setup. And uh, so what you're doing is as you're going through, you're trying to collect the cheese. There's a goal of just finishing the level, and there's a goal of how many pieces of cheese you need to pick up. The problem is they give you way too many pieces of cheese to possibly pick up that there's no way unless you are like closing your eyes while moving through the level that you're not going to pick up enough cheese to meet that goal. And like you said, the traps aren't necessarily super hard. I mean, occasionally if I lost focus, I would bump it into something and then you can do these little like save points and just start right where you left off. And so it definitely erred on the side of easy. I wish they had uh, multiple different, difficulty modes but for kids i think this is a great game i think they could really enjoy it i think adults are going to find it a little too easy and but it's something they could easily fix in an update and but i I, i've been playing through just because i'm curious to see what these new trap types are because you start with that uh with the little smashers so these little things come down smash then you have these little rolling things with spikes and now the latest group i'm on is uh, these giant buzz saws that come out from either side and those start to get a little more tricky because you have to time things a little bit better but overall it definitely does trend toward easy yeah i got to the buzz saws and i just couldn't keep going it was just such a waste of time i was like there's really when you get to the point i understand a kid's game but even kids i think would get bored because there's a large portion of the level you're just not really doing anything you don't even have to touch the screen which that's not fun. I don't care what age you are. Especially because age... I mean, kids younger and younger are playing more complex video games, so to pitch this super simple, boring game with limited interaction is weird. Yeah, it, well, it does start to get... If you start to go through the buzzsaw ones, they start to tack on a lot of the old 
mechanics. So you do have to do a lot more. But the, they're not simultaneous. They're still gapped out. You go to the buzzsaw, they then there's out. a yes. stretch where you don't... It's not like buzzsaw, spinny thing, and then smasher all where you have to dodge it in quick succession. It's like, okay, you did that. Take a breather. You'll get to the next one eventually. Well, there are a few. There are a few because there's some where you have to jump over a, a roller and then you have to either jump over another roller or you have to angle yourself so you avoid these smashers. So it does start to get a little more complex. It just takes a while to get to that point. And I just wish it ramped up a little bit faster than that. But overall, I mean, my daughter just started playing tonight. I played through some of it. And, I mean, she's having fun. She's 10. But, I mean, she... Uh, yes, it is fairly easy, but I'm sure she's going to have some challenges more than obviously than what I had. But uh, I don't know. I think it's a cute game. I think they could definitely do something to ramp up the the difficulty, but I wouldn't necessarily say it's a bad game. I would. I would say once you get three <laughs> level packs in and it doesn't get any more difficult, I think that is. The only kind of part that I liked was that cat cutscene you referenced, though it's kind of odd because the cat... It's not a real mouse that he wants the cats to kill. You think if you're running a corporation <laughs> where your goal is to make this mouse bot, you want it to be able to successfully avoid these different traps. So just because he beat one trap, it doesn't make sense to fire that cat and then hire a new cat with a new trap style. I like if it was a real to... mouse and you're letting the mouse get away, okay, I understand firing him, but it's you're not eating a robot mouse. No, but maybe they're training. They're checking these traps for real mice. Maybe I don't know. I don't know what the story is. Maybe they. This is their test of how good these mazes are for real mice, and then they'll eventually put real mice in there. But they need to make sure they get they get killed. I don't know. I don't know if you want the. Does he want the mouse bot to succeed or fail? I think he wants him to fail, but he's not failing enough because he's making it through all of those levels. So he wants him to fail, and so now he needs something tougher because he made it through all those levels. It seems pointless. I don't know. It makes sense to me. Then you're going to run a new <laughs> mouse through, but you want that mouse to fail. But then why are you running the mouses through the mazes? I don't know. You can put <laughs> mohawks on the mice. So does it? it's not supposed to make perfect sense. The cat just shouldn't be firing other cats. Because essentially, if you were running a science experiment, you would be doing a good job if the thing got through. Because essentially, they're designing the robot, right? Who's designing the little mouse robots? No, they're designing the traps. They're not designing but who the designed the mouse the robots? I, mice? I don't know. <laughs> and you'd think it was a whole <laughs> one cat corporation. You have these big cats overseeing the maze as you're driving through. You know, they have their little science outfits on. <laughs> Maybe it's not real mice. House. Somebody had to design the robots. Right, maybe they bought it from a mouse corporation that's like simulates a real mouse, and yeah. they have to beat that mouse. I don't know. <laughs> I think we're too many the holes in the storyline. <laughs> 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 so that's Mousebot. It's free. It's universal. And then there's Honorim, which comes. It's published by makers of a bunch of digital board games. This is not their own creation, and it's not an actual digital board game. It's actually more of a card kind of modern solitaire take like a card thief or card crawl style in this case you actually your goal 
is essentially to open up these eight different doors. There's four colors and there's two sets of doors for each one. And to do so, you have a hand of five cards and those five cards you're gonna have to play at the proper times to unlock these doors. And so you need to either use your keys that you'll get randomly and then hope that a door comes up just in your deck and you can use the proper key on the proper colored door. But more often you're gonna actually have to play three of the same colored cards in order to unlock the door but those cards they have three different possible shapes so there's a sun there's a moon or the key and you can't play two of the same shapes so you can't go sun sun so that means you have to alternate the shapes and you only have five hands or five cards in your hand to work with and then to make matters worse you'll get nightmares ever so often and the only way to get rid of a nightmare is to either spend one of your keys get rid of your hand or get rid of five cards from the deck but your deck only has a limited number of cards, so you need to use those cards as valuable resources because you're going to need to play three or use the key and door system to unlock all eight of these doors. Right. One other option you have to get rid of the nightmare is to reclose re oh, one, one of the doors you've already opened. Yeah, yeah, so that one I've never done because that's taking a step backwards. So, yeah, so this comes from Asmodee Digital, who did, like, Potion Explosion. They did Splendor. They did, like, tons of these digital board game apps. And, yeah, so it's basically a solitaire game. And the thing I like about it is that key because those key cards have so many options to them that they are the real like wild card in the game because not only can they uh, be played to just as a normal card. So when you're trying to do those three cards of the same color in a row and try to, and have different shapes, they can save you because if all you have in your hand are two suns, you can play the key in between those two suns to get three in a row and then open a door, or they can be used just as when a door of the same color pops in your hand and you have a key of that same color in your hand, you have the option of using that key to open the door right away. But then one other way that they can be used other than getting rid of a nightmare directly is they can, you have this whole premonition kind of setup where if you play a key just by discarding it, it allows, it shows you what the next five cards in the deck are going to be. And now you get to rearrange those cards in any order you want. But the last card in that you put there is going to get discarded. So you, if you put a door there, then you instantly lose the game because there's no way you're ever going to pull that door out. But you can get rid of nightmares that way, or at least you know when the nightmares are going to come up in the deck and you can kind of plan ahead. So, Or if a if you finish a door, it shuffles the deck. So you can kind of plan things. So like, if you see a whole bunch of nightmares are coming up, you can plan it so that hopefully you'll finish a door before those nightmares will show up and they'll get shuffled away and then you can push them off to a later time. So there's all these different strategies that start to emerge based on however the cards happen to come up and you have to react to it and try and guess what is going to be your best method. Do I just discard this hand of cards even though I have all the cards I need to open the door or do I take a risk and discard five cards that are the next five cards in, in the deck but those could be some keys that I'm going to lose and I'm never going to get them back. So the, the, this is a really heavy on a risk reward kind of thing. And you have to take chances if you're going to have any hope of doing it, because it is difficult to win. Sometimes you'll just 
win pretty quickly, but for the most part, your percentage of win rate is going to be pretty low in this game, just because it is tough with all the parameters that you have of avoiding all those nightmares and not end up having to discard cards that you're going to need later. Yeah, you have to be really careful with that discard pile. Like when I first started playing, I would just discard the cards each time, and then I realized that okay, now every card has to be super valuable. So then it changes your perspective. And like you said, there's just so many, so much strategy with every single card in your deck. So say you fill the two green doors. They're set. They're good. So that means if you have a green card in your deck, but you don't have what you need, you can just drag it to the discard pile and get another card. You can do that. So you can kind of aim at specific doors to take out. And then the keys, they're so valuable because they can get rid of the nightmares, just one fell swoop. But if a door comes along, you can get a door with just one card. You don't have to play three cards because you have that key match. So you want to keep them in your hand for as long as possible. But on the flip side, you also always want to get rid of those nightmares without giving as up as many cards as possible. And so you constantly have to ba balance that. And then if say you get a green key, but the two green doors are already set, that's when you might want to use the premonition mode that you talked about to see those next five cards. Because as you're getting towards the end of the deck, and say you just need to get the brown door complete, and you look at the next five cards and there's no brown door, you know you're going to have a tough time. There's only like seven cards left in the deck. So you start you know, coming up against the wall and then seeing all the different ways you can lose because there's 10 nightmare cards per deck that you're most likely going to have to go through all 10 and deal with them in one form or another. Right, yeah, and the earlier you can get rid of them, then you have, like, kind of a safe going for the rest of the game, but that's not always going to be the case because you don't know where they're going to lie. And using that premonition can be dangerous because what happens if, by bad luck, you happen to draw like a whole bunch of doors and now you have to del you have to get rid of one of those cards well you could end up having to being forced to get rid of a door but back to your point about once you've done all of the uh, both doors of a certain color now those cards become just cards you can trash or you can use those cards say you have a whole bunch of uh, suns in your hand and like your last card in the row that you've been laying out is a sun well you can't play any of those cards in your hand but say you have a green moon and you've got both uh, green doors already done well you can toss that green moon onto your your set of cards and now that allows you to change the the type of card that's on the end and now you could do your, a new set of three, starting with a moon, uh, starting with a sun, so that it, it allows you to kind of change the flow of the cards up top without burning a card that you might need later. So those those leftover cards tend to be valuable, whether they get discarded or you use them to in other ways. So it's just a lot to think about as you're going through the game, and it's. Like any solitaire game, this has as much replayability as someone who enjoys to replay the same kind of game over and over and over again. Where if you're just playing like a normal solitaire game, some people like that. Some people are like, oh, I'm so bored of this. It's the same thing every time. This one, because of those keys and the various ways you can use them, you have a lot more strategy there. It has a little more replayability than like a standard solitaire game. 
but it the game this is only the base game the cardboard version does come with like seven mini expansions which are not included in this right now they're not implemented i don't know if they're going to do that in the future it'd be really nice if they would because that would add even more replayability to the game but even a buck this is like an excellent deal for how much gameplay and replayability you'll have just with the base game yeah it's really just a compelling idea that's well produced and well polished to let you just really enjoy it like if you enjoyed card thief this game has a very similar idea with a bunch of layers of strategy with every single card play and then each time you play you kind of try to complete the game with like fewer number of cards or just kind of get better with the different strategy layers they've just done a really good job it's on a rim it's only it's only 99 cents and it's universal and then that's pretty much it for new games. There was a few others that just aren't even worth mentioning, like that <laughs> terrible... A lot of others, yes. Yeah, just that <laughs> terrible Ellen game, Hot Hands, you, And then Faily Tumblr, that was really disgustingly bad. So that's about as much mention as they'll get. But there's updates to good old games. And the first one is Slayway Camp, which came out a few weeks ago, a couple months by now. And I didn't get to play it that week we did the podcast. Since then, I've been playing a bunch of it. It delivers that block sliding puzzle game where you swipe and then your character goes until they hit a solid object. So you need to use that for a proper puzzle sequence. And in this case, there's a horror movie theme. You have like a Jason type of character and your goal is to kill all of the campers. And to do that, you need to slide into the right position. And as you go, there's more complexities upon that. It had a relatively dark theme with a lot of blood and gore. And so Apple didn't feature it. So they've updated it with a PG mode that takes away all that blood and gore. Same theme, but it's not as in your face. And so now Apple's featured and hopefully more people just become familiar with it because it's a really well done puzzle game with an excellently executed theme. Yeah, yeah, it's it's it just and it's fun too. Just the the campiness of the game is just fun in the way they've set it up. And I'm glad that they have this new PG mode that allow maybe a, a younger audience to to try it out. And and you don't have all that gore and the blood. I mean, it was kind of it's obviously kind of comical, but still. It, like as a parent, I would never let my my girls play the original version. I have to see exactly how the PG looks before I I agree to actually let them try it out. But uh, I'm I'm glad that they did go through the effort to to do something like that. And if you want to hear our original thoughts on it, that was episode seven of the podcast that we first talked about that. Cool. And then Love You to Bits is a really good puzzle adventure game. It's kind of built on that tiny thief idea where you're just exploring and finding any kind of tappable objects. And then there's a whole storyline as this guy tries to get the pieces of his robot girlfriend. And so now they've introduced the last two levels of the game that actually finishes that really overarching, endearing storyline. Yeah, my daughter and I love this. It, it, she was so excited when she found out that the uh, last few levels were coming out on her birthday. So she, we just played through them. We sat down side by side, played through it, and then she was all sad that it was all over. But it was so good. Like uh, one of the two levels that they added is fantastic. The other one is kind of, 
you kind of go through the motions, but one of them was really good. And it's just nice to finally have the conclusion of the story. And it was just a really well-made game. If you haven't played this yet, it has that same like tiny thief wordless puzzle kind of adventure where you're just you're going through you're picking up objects and and using them there in this there's also these little hidden things you have to find that and each one of them has like a little story behind it and they're they're mementos that she had that either the robot girlfriend had or you had and then you see can watch little clips to see how those stories how those little objects tie into their love story and it's just a, a really well-made cute and dear in game and I, i'm glad it's now come to the conclusion i'm curious to see what a like studio comes out with next because these guys did such a great job on this game and were there a couple other updates you saw? Uh, yeah so i uh, uh hearthstone uh i've kind of fallen off the hearthstone bandwagon but uh, just because of so much stuff we have to cover, but they just kicked off their new year of content. They Every year they, they do a whole fresh set of content, and this is the year of the mammoth, and they, they kicked it off with their 135 new cards in the Journey to Ungoro expansion. So that just kicked off. If you're still into Hearthstone, you've probably already started to play this. And then uh, in Tokaido, which we talked about, I think, last week or the week before, I think it was two weeks ago, uh, this, this is that uh, you're following along the path in, in Japan as you're walking along this path. And they added a, a two-player mode, which was in the cardboard version but wasn't originally in the digital app. And that allows you to have now finally just play with two players before you were forced to play with three and there was no AI player that you could kind of mix in with local multiplayer. But this now lets you have two local players playing. And what it does is it adds a dummy third player. And that third player doesn't actually score. But what they do is who's ever out farthest in front on the path gets to move that third dummy player when it's that dummy player's turn. So you can basically use this as a, a strategy to put this dummy player to block your opponent from getting to a certain location. And then also when the dummy player goes to like the dedication and where you would normally give a coin to to do a dedication they'll do that automatically so now they're in the race to steal the points for the dedications at the end of the game so it's a nice little way for two players to have this added little element of strategy it's i mean it's a little weird because you're moving this dummy third player but to have that as an option especially like if my daughter and i were to play it would be just the two of us my younger one i don't know that she would really grasp it so it's nice to have the option of being able to now play with two players on the uh the local multiplayer so and i think that's about it i oh, i think um well actually mysterium which is also from asmodee digital they just today came out with an update to add uh local pass and play multiplayer so all these digital board game apps are getting some nice updates as well yep and so i think that's everything for episode 14 of the app advice weekly podcast yeah that's all i got to everyone listening we hope you enjoy and we'll talk to you next time talk to you later